in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Here we find, not, uh, not at the time of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, this is months later, perhaps up to two years later. Well, there's, there's wise men, or the Bible calls the Magi, that they came and they were following the star, miraculously or following the star, to come to find the Messiah, to find baby Jesus, or to find the Christ child. So in Matthew chapter 2, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. And we don't know much about these men. A lot of uh, tradition and things that, we've, uh, that, that we've, we've had for years says that there were three of them. Well, we don't know if there were three. They brought three gifts, so uh, I guess maybe that's where we get the, the three wise men. It could have been many more than that, that traveled from a great distance. They were following a star. This is a miraculous uh, star, and they were uh, perhaps, and this is also very interesting, that they were influenced, or there was the influence from hundreds of years prior a man by the name of Daniel, who was in Babylon. And uh, so we don't have a whole lot of information about them. Some historical sources say that they were uh, from a particular tribe that would have been very religious um, and, uh, and had great influence. That's maybe where we get the, the, the fact that they were actual kings. We don't know that for certain, but we do know that they were following the star and it led them, it led them to Jerusalem. And they came before Herod the king, but when Herod heard this, when Herod heard this, it says that, that he was troubled at all Jerusalem with him. See, Herod the king, who was placed there by the Roman Senate to rule this region, he had no interest in a competing king. He had no desire for another king. And when he heard there was a king that was born, the king of the Jews, well, this troubled him. And all Jerusalem with him. So what does he do? He gathers the scribes, the chief priests and scribes. He gathered them together and it demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So the prophet Micah, hundreds of years prior, prophesies, predicts that Jesus, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. He says in verse 6, and now Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search diligently for the young child. When we have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. This is a lie. This is a lie. Herod has no interest in worshiping Jesus. Herod has one interest, it's a selfish interest, to eliminate someone else who threatens his throne and threatens his kingdom. Herod is evil, he's crazy, he's delusional. He's going to go into this crazy rampage of killing all the male children two years and younger. He has no interest, in no, no interest but a selfish interest. It says that when, verse number nine, when they heard... Uh, or, and when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the young child, or where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
They were come in the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Here we see in just these few verses, there's several different responses to the birth of Christ. Today, there's several responses that people have towards Jesus, towards his claims, towards who he claims that he is. And we'd all agree this, that the claims that the, the Bible makes about Jesus, these, these claims are powerful and they have powerful implications if Jesus is who he claims to be. But today we find, just like here, that there were some, first of all, that had no interest. What's so amazing is when, when, when Herod called the scribes, when he called them together to, to, to try to find out, okay, where, where is Jesus? Where is, is this birth taking place? And they were able through the, the prophecies to, to deduct that, okay, he's born in Bethlehem. Yet you, don't see, yet you don't see crowds rushing to go find him. There were just some that weren't interested. You know, today there's just some, some people, they're, they're so preoccupied with their life with things going on, with, with maybe a career, maybe a hobby, maybe with, with, with their children and what their children are interested in, and not bad things, but people are so preoccupied that there's not a lot of interest in Jesus. And the reality is that before we came to know Christ as our Savior, we had no interest. We weren't seeking after Him. God's the one who came seeking after us. Romans is very clear. It says that in the natural sinful state of man, we're not seeking after God. We're dead in our trespasses and our sins. But yet, as I mentioned at 4.30 or four, the 4 o'clock service, that there were many people in that service that had just been coming to Crosspoint for a short time, but they've been coming for, for quite several weeks now and even some several months. And, and I said this, I said, look, Maybe it's circumstances that God has now brought you to this place in your life. Maybe it's people God has placed in your life. And where there was no interest, now you feel this, 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 something's compelling you. Something's drawing you. Maybe that's the case with you. And I said this, that, 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 God, that God uses amazing things. Here he used a miraculous star to bring to bring these men who weren't, who weren't followers of God, yet to bring them to Christ. And maybe God in your life, in the past, has brought you to a saving faith in Him through, through crazy, what we would say crazy circumstances. And if God's speaking to you, if God is drawing you, don't ignore that. For some, there's, there's no interest. But then we see, for some, there's a selfish interest. Herod was interested, but not in worshiping Jesus. Herod had an interest, but it was simply a selfish interest. He had no desire for a king of competing with someone else. In fact, Herod was threatened by another king. And I know obviously today it's a different context. We're not talking about a physical king who reigns, who feels threatened. But in a spiritual sense, there are those today, they feel threatened by another king. They feel threatened by someone taking a throne and taking precedent over what they want, over their dreams, over their plans, over the things that they feel are important. And it's such a misconception. 
Because following Christ and, and, and putting your faith and trust in Him and believing the gospel, believing in Christ, look, it, it doesn't mean that your, your, your life changes for the worse. It changes for the better, amen? It changes for good. Now, that doesn't mean that following Christ is, means that everything in life goes exactly how you want. It doesn't mean that life just becomes so easy. In fact, we're called to follow Him, not the other way around. We're created for His glory. He's not created for our glory and to give us all of our wants and desires. And sometimes for people, that's threatening. It's threatening that following Christ means that that He is the Lord of our life. That He is in control of our life. And for some, they find that threatening. For some, they have an interest in Jesus, but it's just a selfish interest. It's an interest of, if I gain these good things, and if, 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 I can, if Jesus comes along more of like a life coach in my life to give me good advice, to make my life better, then I'm interested. And if not, not interested. But that's not the message we see of Christianity. That's not what we see in the, in the scripture. It's a call to follow Christ means that we leave the old life and walk in newness of life. But by the way, it's the best life. It's a life of true meaning, true peace, true joy, true satisfaction that comes from the change that Jesus brings. Some had no interest. Some had a selfish interest. But then we see as we close... Verse number 11, they came. These men came and they, when they found, they saw the young child, they fell down and they worshiped him. We see a genuine interest. We see that they knew far less about Jesus than what we know, but their response was to fall down and to worship him. Which is, by the way, the correct response to our Savior, the King of Kings. They fell down, they worshiped him. They gave him three, they brought three different gifts. And this is where many times we get the, um, we get the three, that we think there's three, three men. They brought three gifts. Maybe, maybe not. We know there were three gifts though. They brought gold. They said that they're searching for the king of kings. Gold is a gift that you would present to a king. That Jesus Christ, yes, was born humbly in a feeding trough in Bethlehem. He lived a righteous life. He lived a life that we could never live. He died the sacrificial death for our sins. He rose from the grave and then he ascended to heaven. And right now he is seated and he rules and reigns over all as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That his kingdom is above every kingdom. The, Daniel, I mentioned Daniel a few moments ago in his prophecies where he's predicting that there, there are all these kingdoms and all these kings of the earth. They come and they go. They rise and they fall. And every kingdom and every government and every ruler, they have one thing in common. They all come to an end, except one. And that is the kingdom of Christ. That is the King Jesus, that he will rule and reign forevermore. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. And we, as his followers tonight on this Christmas Eve, we rest in that truth. And while we can look around us and we see that there, there's a lot of evil in this world and there's a lot of evil people in this world and we constantly hear and see just the, the, the depravity of man and, 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 and the evil, the evil of mankind and we see people that think they're powerful and that are, are, are controlling things and, 
And it, it can drive us crazy to see the injustice in this world. To think of just in this last century alone, just the mass genocide of different governments and different rulers. And yet the reality is this, that they all have and will come to an end. But there is a king who will reign forever. And every king and every ruler will bow down before him. And we don't wait to bow before him. We don't wait to worship our king when he returns and, and physically reigns and rules over all. We, we acknowledge that now. We bow before him now as our king. They gave him gold because he was a king and is a king. The second gift they gave was, there was frankincense. This was used it was at a, a sweet savor and, and when it would be offered up. And, and many times they'd use it in sacrifices as a, a, a savor that would be sweet and it would cover some of the smells from the animals that were being slain. And many theologians have tied this and whether the, the, the wise men recognized all of this at the time, it, it, it's hard for us to say for certain, but we recognize that Jesus came to be our sacrifice. He came to die. He came, yes, humbly in a manger, but he came to die because he would be the only one that could be the sacrifice for our sins. He was the only one that lived a righteous life. And yet he died in our place. He was born to die. The third gift they gave him was myrrh. This was used in burials. It would be like a, a, for, for embalming. Now that might seem like an odd gift to give to a baby. Like, I mean, how many of you would find that highly offensive if at a baby shower, someone gave you embal embalming fluid as a gift? You'd find that very disturbing. But they brought myrrh. This was used in burials. And, and again, many theologians think that this was signifying the fact that he came to die and would be buried, but would rise again on the third day, victorious over sin, over death. And this is our Savior. The baby Jesus. And I, I, I love this time of year. I love the celebrations. And this is just something sweet about these times where we can gather together. We can sing these songs and we can hold candles and, and we can send Christmas cards and, and open presents. It's a, it's a festive time. It's a wonderful time. But for thousands of years, Christians have celebrated this time recognizing it's the birth of our Savior. And he came, yes, humbly as a baby. But he came to give us the greatest gift of all. A gift that we could never achieve, we could never earn. The greatest gift, the greatest gift hung on a tree. He came to die and rise again to be the payment for our sins. Because as, as Matthew puts it in chapter 1, we talked about this a couple weeks ago it's, with, with Mary and Joseph and how that, that they would call the child Jesus, it says, for he shall save his people from their sins. Because all of us tonight have one thing in common. We need a savior. And we could never, never hope to save ourselves. We could never achieve the righteous life that Jesus lived. And yet Jesus lived the life we couldn't and died for our sins. His blood paid the penalty for our sins. And through faith in him, we can have eternal life. Through faith in him, we can have newness of life. I encourage you tonight that, to look at 
at this text and look at these verses and to look at the response of these wise men. May this be our response to Jesus. That we would fall down. That we would worship him. Because he was not just a good man. He was the God man. And he came to be the sacrifice for our sins. And I'm so thankful that he did. May this Christmas we truly celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ came into the world to save us.